back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 169. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. session we'll be picking up on Exodus chapter 21 kind of where we left off but before we go any further in chapter 21 I want to make one more comment about slavery in the Bible and I've made that when we uh, talked about uh, the issue of slavery when we were studying the New Testament and that is that uh, the the Bible first and foremost is a guide for getting us to heaven it recognizes that our eternal life is much, much more important than this life on earth. Now, I'm certainly not discounting the importance of this earth because this is where we learn to trust God on, on this earth, where we learn to trust him and, and serve him. But, um, you know, much is made by skeptics about the Bible saying, why should anyone believe in a book that does not explicitly condone, uh, excuse me, explicitly condemn slavery. In fact, it seems to condone slavery. Um, well, it does condone slavery in the Old Testament and even in the New. But I think Paul probably summed this up best. So uh, in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 and 28, so you might want to, uh, in your margins in chapter 21, write C, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 and 28. And it, and it deals with, you know, the relative importance of our eternal life with God as opposed to merely our mortal life here. So I'll read it to you. But I want you to write that in your margins. Galatians 3, 27, 20 and excuse me, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 and 28. So here's what Paul says. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free person, male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what that's telling me is, whatever whatever your station in life, now you're probably not a slave, I hope you're not, but uh, whatever your station in life, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's best to make the most that you can of your life and provide the best that you can for your family, etc., assuming you do it in a legal and moral way. But that is uh, of infinitely less importance than where you will spend eternity, okay? And so if you're if you're a slave and, and you can't get out of it, well, you know that you still have the blessing of eternal life if you uh, if you persevere in your following with uh, with Christ. So anyway, uh, moving on in chapter twenty one, beginning with verse twelve and on, we have a lot of rules here that have been put in place where the death penalty is uh, is is clear. Okay. And while the Catholic Church's teaching on the death penalty uh, suggests that um, it should be done very rarely, 
uh, it, it still acknowledges, the catechism still acknowledges that the state does have the right to administer the death penalty. Okay, so some of these offenses that in chapter 21 are meriting of the death penalty seem to be pretty severe. I mean, they are. Uh, verse 17 of chapter 21 says, whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. That seems a little harsh, don't you think? Uh, there was at least one commentator who said, well, this is different than just cursing them, like saying, you know, some bad word to them, but, but rather putting a curse on them, saying, hey, uh, you know, may God smite you or, or, or whatever. But regardless, I don't think we should sugarcoat this. Um, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these punishments are very severe given the, the offense that is, is listed in chapter 21. But remember, this is going to be a new society. They're on the move, but they're going to, uh, receive their own country. And so they have to set up some rules. And, you know, again, just kind of like uh, if you may recall a year or so when you were in school, on the first day, the teacher uh, was very, uh, you know, really laying down the law. And uh, so you thought, oh, this is going to be a tough year. But as the year went on, you found out that that teacher was really a softy but they have to establish discipline up front. Now, why aren't all of these, why don't all of these offenses still carry uh, these, these same uh, penalties? Well, once again, you can thank the big bad Catholic Church for that because we have a new covenant. And in that new covenant, and you're getting tired of me saying it, we keep going back to Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through, let's say, 19 or 20, um, where Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my one church. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So, happily, the Catholic Church can put aside or lessen some of these punishments. So don't get too carried away with this stuff because the new covenant, um, shall we say, relaxes or redefines uh, what is uh, meritus of, of punishment, of, of, uh, of severe punishment, etc. You know, what is right, what is wrong, etc. Okay, of particular interest might be uh, verse 23 of chapter 21, which says, if an injury ensues, you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Okay, so I want you to underline that because it is in the Bible. And again, a Bible skeptic will will say, you know, that's uh, that's not very forgiving. Where's all the forgiveness in this? But after you've underlined verse 23 and 24 and 25, I want you to be sure and write in your margins, see, S-E-E, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. 
So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, and see what it says about that. Um, bear with me for a second. Uh, I thought I had it right here, but uh, a little slow today. But uh, Matthew chapter 5, okay. So we're on to that, and it says, okay, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So where'd you get that from? Um, you might even write in your margins next to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 38, uh, write Exodus chapter 21, verse 23, 4, and 5. Okay, because you see how the Old Testament flows into the New Testament. But moving on. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. Now, we'll unpack that in, the, in our study of Matthew chapter 5. So I'm not going to go into all of that again. But I think you can see that the New Covenant here relaxes a, uh, one of the Old Testament uh, principles, right? And the church can do that because it has the power to bind and, and loose. But even though this seems very severe, verse 23, 24, and 25 in math, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 21, uh, in a way, um, you could say that this is a uh, re relaxing of, of uh, you know, a, a, a relaxing of what the rest of the world was teaching, okay? So uh, it's basically saying, let the punishment fit the crime, which is a major humanitarian step up for many of the cultures of that time. Many cultures understood that vengeance allowed a wrong person to do more to the perpetrator than was done to him. As an example, if you knock out my tooth, I'll burn down your house or, you know, I'll kill your whole family or something. So this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth system of justice was actually fairly enlightened for its day, for its day. Um, so um, now here's uh, one off the wall law listed here. May, maybe you were puzzled with it as I was. It's Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. By, yeah, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit, but chapter 20, the rest of chapter 1 and, and chapter 22 and chapter 23, most of those were just dealing with, uh, uh, okay, we, we have to set up some laws for this new, uh, this new community, right? Um, maybe I'll point out a couple others along the way. Chapter 22, verse 20 says, You shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. And uh, so that kind of goes along the, the lines of, uh, uh, you know, be, you know, be loving towards your, your neighbor, right? 
And we certainly uh, have that uh, continued on. And Jesus talks a lot about that. Um, well, moving on to chapter 23. Here is the weird one of the year, um, which is verse, let's see, 19. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, the last part. It says, you shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Uh, by the way, it's talking about a young goat. It's not talking about a, a teenage daughter or son. You might have been tempted to do that somewhere along the way. But uh, you shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Well, now, why is that even in there? Why should that be a, a, a rule? It seems kind of arbitrary and, frankly, kind of stupid. Okay. Well, apparently... There was a Canaanite ritual. Remember, the Canaanites were pagans who were living in the land that the people were expecting to inherit. And uh, they did this. Okay, it was part of one of their rituals, probably a fertility rite of some kind or whatever. So what would be the message for, for today? You know, I, I've never boiled a kid in its own milk. Uh, and I don't think I want to boil a goat today in milk or anything else for that matter. Um, what, uh, you know, what does this mean? It means don't do as the pagans do. Okay, don't do as the pagans do. So maybe if Moses were talking to us today, uh, you know, he, he might say, you know, don't put a tattoo of a swastika on your forehead, okay? Or uh, maybe more appropriately, don't come to church wearing a t-shirt with a bunch of cuss words on it, okay? Um, because that's what the pagans do. So in essence, this goofy little verse uh, in verse 19 of chapter 23 basically means don't do what the pagans do. And we will see other examples of things that at first look kind of puzzling, but uh, we can understand them in the context of how they were written. Don't do as the pagans do. So um, God is speaking uh, still to, to Moses, and he's given them all of these uh, commandments and ideas. And then in verse 31 of chapter 24, he says, I'm going to set your boundaries from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines. So that would be what? The Mediterranean Sea. Uh, and from the desert to the river. Okay. Uh, and so that would be what? The Jordan River. All who dwell in this land, I will, or maybe it means all the way to the uh the uh, Euphrates. It's, it's, yeah, it is the, the river, the Euphrates. Okay. And so that's a pretty big swath of land. All who dwell in this land, I will hand over to you to be driven out of your way. You shall not make a covenant with them or their gods. Underline verse 32, you shall not make a covenant with them or their gods. So you're supposed to be in the world, but you're not supposed to take on all of the trappings of the world, take on all of the worldly ideas, okay? Um, they must not abide in your land, lest they make you sin against me, 
by ensnaring you into worshiping their gods. And of course, today we worship the god of secularism, of relativism, etc. Now, hopefully not we who are listening to this. Okay, did the people do all that? No, they, they didn't keep these commandments. They did make covenants with the other people. They did accept their gods um, eventually. And so as a result, they never got all of that land uh, that was just described in uh, verses 31 and 32. They never got all of that land. They got, they got some of it, okay? They did get a promised land. Okay, moving on to chapter 24. There's a ratification of this covenant. Um, Moses is talking to the people, and in verse 3 it says, When Moses came to the people and related all the words and ordinances of the Lord, they all answered with one voice, We will do everything that the Lord has told us. Okay? So Moses is like the priest, right? And so he makes this declaration, and then all the people with one voice, gee, it sounds like mass, uh, answer in, you know, in one voice. They say, we will do everything that the Lord has told us. So the people have enthusiasm, but enthusiasm is different than commitment. It's kind of like making a New Year's resolution. You know, you say, oh, I'm going to lose weight uh, this year, and you buy all this exercise equipment, and then by February 1st, you know, it's just uh, the equipment is just sitting there gathering dust. So there's a big difference between enthusiasm and commitment. Um, some of our Protestant brethren have what is called, uh, some uh, denominations have what is called an altar call. And they say, if you feel the Lord speaking to you, come on down to the, you know, to the uh, altar. They call it an altar, perhaps, but uh, it's, it's, there's no sacrifice on it. And so people will enthusiastically come up, yes. I'm going to embrace the Lord. I'm going to give up all my evil ways. And that lasts, uh, you know, maybe until till the next time. Kind of a funny story about it. Uh, there's a guy who uh, every week when this in this denomination, uh, they would say, now, if you feel the Lord convicting you to change your life and give your life over to Christ, come on down. So the guy would come down every week and he'd say, Lord, just... Uh, Get, get the, clear the cobwebs from my mind. Clear the cobwebs from my mind. And he was doing that every week, every week, every week. And so one guy up in the balcony got a little tired of it and he knew what was going to happen the next week. So when there was an altar call and this guy enthusiastically comes down and says, Lord, clear the cobwebs from my mind. Um, this fellow said, forget the cobwebs, Lord, kill the spider. <laughs> okay. So there's a difference between enthusiasm and commitment. Enthusiasm says, yeah, I will do it. Commitment says you follow through with it. Okay. Now, one last point. Uh, after all this, Moses, as the priest, kind of speaks to the, the people. And the people with one voice, kind of like mass, uh, you know, proclaim, you know, the, the various uh, proclamations. And uh, it says, then in verse 8, this is a good Catholic kind of thing. Then he took the blood and from, you know, there was a, you know, there was a blood, uh, you know, from a young bull. And uh, Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you. 
in accordance with all these words of his, like at the New Testament Mass, right? This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you. So don't let anybody tell you that the Bible is unbiblical. Okay. Then Moses is going to go up on the mountain where he's going to receive the tablets. And, um, and so he went up on the mountain, and in verse 18 of chapter 24, we are told he stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. And what did you remember about the number 40 from our study in the New Testament? 40 is always a time of preparation. So before he is going to receive all of the words of God, the, the, he's, he's going to receive the stone tablets and some further instruction on worship, uh, he must prepare. As we must prepare, again, for worship, to an examination of conscience. I know I've mentioned that three weeks in a row, but it is worth repeating. Well, we are out of time, folks, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Um, Lord, we're glad that you walked among the people of, uh, of the Israelites, and we are glad that you continue walking with us today. Um, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, which lives within us and guides us. We thank you for the church, which uh, is, is your guide for us for living. And so uh, help us to live within your commandments, and please give us the grace to do so. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.